Hey, Danas and Beckys, what you're about to hear is an encore presentation of one of our favorite episodes from the Don't Ask Tig archives. Please enjoy. Jamila, it's just going to be me and you, and everyone will be listening. Okay. Ready? This is Don't Ask Tig. I'm Tig Notaro. Here today is Jamila Jamil. You've seen her on The Good Place, and she has her own podcast, I Weigh. Hi, Jamila. Hello. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for coming today. No, um, I'm a I'm a massive fan and big friend, so I uh, it, the pleasure and honor is all mine. Oh, well, the feeling is mutual, and I think that there's going to be a lot of people thrilled that you're making an appearance on here. Um, you you very famously got your role on The Good Place with almost no acting experience. Would you say that takes a lot of confidence? What does that take? I think it takes shamelessness. I think it takes my fundamental belief system of thinking that failure is cool. Uh, and I have had this belief system for like 15 years where I just think the only true failure that really exists is not trying at all. I think when you take a risk on something where success isn't guaranteed, I honestly look at it as a heroic act. <laughs> I like your style. <laughs> and do you have any, uh, do you have any advice for people that might be wanting to take a big leap to do that sort of? Uh, maybe their own version of what you've done? Yeah, I think it's really important to just look at life as one giant bucket bucket. You know, really, we get one shot at this, not to quote Eminem for too much of this podcast. <laughs> uh, but I think that it's really important to remember that, that fear should never navigate any of your decisions in life. It's really important that you don't let it do so. And it's really important that you don't allow the fear and projections of other people to to navigate your decisions because a lot of people are just fear-mongering us because either they're afraid for us or they have uh, put too much importance upon the shame of failure or they don't want to see you succeed at a risk you're taking because then that will make them feel like shit about all the risks they didn't take in life. If you go out there and win, mm. like so many people told me not to move to America so, I mean, I'd say 99% of the people, when I was 28, I was at the top of my career in the in Britain, and I was just going to leave the whole thing behind and just start afresh in a much bigger country where no one knew who I was, where I was pushing 30, I was not a size zero, and I am South Asian, and there are, what, five South Asians in mainstream media at the moment in the United States? Exactly five, yeah. yes. <laughs> so, um, you know, and so it's... So I was told by everyone that I'll disappear without a trace. And I was like, at least I won't be haunted by truly two of my most hated words when put together in the English language, which is what if. Don't be haunted. Those words, the sting mm. never dies off of regret. Yeah. And I only, no I only regret the things in life that I don't do. Yes. And I try very much to live my life similarly. And I, I've always said... 
when people ask if I have regrets or because I do fully believe that every every step has led me exactly here and I'm more than happy to be exactly where I am in life. Uh, I did realize recently that I do have one regret and it's I wish I had never smoked a cigarette in my life. Oh, but I bet I bet you looked so cool while you were smoking. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I, I have to say I did look really cool. You know, it is it is it is crazy that that is exactly the only reason people start smoking. Yeah, because it tastes That's disgusting. the only thing. Tig, I got bullied at school for refusing to for refusing to smoke. People bullied me at school. So that's how intense we were I'm sure. in the 90s about smoking. Yeah. It was just like, well, you're never going to be Kate Moss. Oh, my gosh. It was even more so in the 80s. Yes. Anyway, so I, I, I really, yeah. Um, now, this episode is going to be our first episode yeah. in the new year. And are you somebody that that does resolutions or anything like that? Or do you? Yeah, but my resolution is always the same, to continue to get better at the word no. You know, just to use the word no more times this year than I used it last year. I don't believe in new new year, new you. I believe in new year, happier you, more honest you, real you, you know. And well, I it think sounds that- like you 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 do a lot of no's and yeses based on what you were just talking about before. You you have to say yes to a lot of things and you're also saying you gotta say no to a lot of things. But also you have to say a lot more no's, I believe, in life to have the opportunity to say yes to the right things. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to turn down the fear mongering of my team where it's like, if you miss this opportunity and I'm like, I just don't think it's going to be very fun or interesting for me. Or I say no to toxic people because they drown my fucking mind in toxicity and in all of their bullshit. And then I don't have the clarity of mind to make good intuitive decisions right? And I wasn't always like this. I think I became like this at 19. And I've just never looked back. What 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 changed at 19? Because it seems like you have such crazy clarity. I was hit by a car uh, into another car and broke my back. And I just think everyone should be hit by a car into another car as a teenager. Listen, okay, <laughs> as a teenager, I'll tell you something. Yeah. One time I was sitting at a red light and there was this woman that was 9,000 years old in oh, a car no. next to me. And I happened to be looking at her when I saw her get rear-ended and I saw her poor little old head oh. slam into the into the steering wheel. And I thought, oh, she, was, she was probably days or weeks away from getting out of this lifetime what on earth did she need that for no that's that's totally inappropriate yeah no i think when you can bounce back and obviously i'm being very flippant and tongue-in-cheek here i'm not being literal to anyone who who is on twitter um who's listening to this right now (laughs) um i i just but it it, what it did is it it woke me up i was 17 Mm. when i got hit but then I was stoned on morphine for like a year and a half. Uh, yeah. And it wasn't until I was kind of almost 19, starting to reemerge. And I just, I had this kind of existential awakening about how I was going to, how I was going to live my life. And that I, you know, I was suddenly so horrifyingly aware in a, in a way that you never get to be that young or so rarely get to be that young of how easily life can just be taken away from you how 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 fast everything can be taken away from you suddenly it life. slips away and this year i think was a huge 
example of that for everyone of like, Christ, the whole world stopped turning and everyone lost all of the things that we had become so complacent about just having access to. And mm. so I, I felt very, I felt way less shell-shocked by 2020 than I think a lot of my peers because it's kind of happened to me just in my mm. own personal space before. Yes. And so, you know, and, and so I think after that, I, I left with what I hope other people leave last year with, which is a, we just don't know how much time we have. Like, run, run at what you want, run at happiness, like get off the fucking treadmill and the rat race of life and actually do what you're going to look back on with joy. Because I think a lot of people looked back on their lives last year with regret of what was quote unquote normal. Was that good for me? Was I happy? Did I spend mm -hmm. enough time with my friends and family who I now desperately miss? What did I do it all for? I think that there's a lot of existential crisis that came out of 2020. And I hope that people channel it into a positive direction this year. We're in a new year. This is a fresh start. And let's, let's, let's throw everything at our mental health. Every money, every bit of money you were going to spend on cellulite removal cream, which doesn't work. Anti-aging cream doesn't work. And so offensive. Uh, all, all I other... beg to differ. I oh, use really? all of those creams and they have really made a difference in my <laughs> cellulite and my anti-aging. So what you're looking at right now. Yeah. It's all thanks to those creams, all of my beauty creams. If you want to know about my beauty <laughs> regimen, I am here to discuss it. Great. Well, aside from Tig. That's where we differ. I say, Williams. <laughs> I say throw all of your money at beauty creams. Okay. Okay. Well, controversially, I disagree. And I think you should spend all that money if you have it on therapy. Honestly, therapy and good times and Look, a vibrator. Look, I have spent <laughs> a lot of money on therapy yeah. since I was about 17 years old. And I just had to finally make that switch to beauty creams. And it worked. Look at how successful I mean, you are. Look at me. I will be 50 in March. And I do not look anything you're, but you're barely, my age. Barely pubescent. Barely. <laughs> <laughs> now, Jamila, The Good Place um, taught a lot of people about ethics. Yeah. And uh, do you feel like you learned more about how to be a good person on that show? Or did you just, have you just been nailing it since you were 19? No, never I, I, I'll, never, I'll never nail it. I'll never nail being a good person because I'll always be untangling my own like trauma, internalized bullshit, internalized misogyny, internalized bitterness. Like, you're perfection is death. <laughs> you know, there's nothing further to learn once you get there. Mm. And so no, of course, I will, I will, I, I don't think I ever have been or ever will be. I always refer to myself as a feminist in progress, because I believe that we are always in progress and the world is always updating. And if we're not going to be open to that, then truly, what's the point of life? I, you know, I, I, I have always felt very thankful um, for the, my mother would tell me if anyone has a problem with me, or with what I want to do, tell them to go to hell. Mm -hmm. And I have carried that uh, belief vibe system. with me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, belief system and vibe. And people are always like, why are you, how come, what, you know, looking at me with confusion with moments in life that should have maybe gotten a different reaction from me. And I'm always like, look, I was raised by somebody that told me to tell everyone to go to hell. And um so yeah, it's it's something that I'm forever grateful for. A hundred percent. And you know, for me, 
it's not possible. It's not possible. <laughs> so why try to please or be approved of or be believed or understood by anyone when at the end of the day, even if you live your life so perfectly, and I know so many women who do, people mm-hmm. will still find fault with you. And if, if anything, look at like Taylor Swift or even, you know, I mean, co-stars I've had, like when they live this perfect existence, people say that they find them annoying because they're too mm-hmm. good. They're too like too much of a good girl, a goody two shoes, too much of a perfectionist. Right. It's grating, you know, so you can't win as a woman. So why can try? I'm just not playing the game anymore. Look, I like that you think Taylor Swift is perfect because we are <laughs> once again aligned. Yeah. Me and you, all right. <laughs> well, we have um, a lot of people that are um, waiting to learn a lot from you. Uh, oh, and we have some <laughs> we have uh, some questions to get into from our listeners. Uh, are you ready? Oh, so ready. All right. The first question comes from Grace. Grace asks, I have a nemesis. We work in the same field. She overcharges and underpays, and she threatens and spies on her employees. Most of the time, I never think about her and just on my own life. But sometimes I fantasize about bringing her down. Should I be the bigger person and just move on, or should I destroy her? Destroy destroy her. I don't believe in being the bigger person. I believe in being the smaller person. Um, I honestly think that my health suffered tremendously from my obsession with trying to rise above. Uh, I realized that rising above is just a, an abusive tactic taught to us by people who want to be able to make us eat shit and, and then feel somehow good about ourselves and smug for just swallowing it. And so I fundamentally disagree, report her to HR, take her down. I'm a Pathan, which means that I come from a part of the, like, the mountains <laughs> where are, like, the, one of the most fundamental, uh, definitive traits of my tribe is that we live for revenge. And so mm. get it out of your system. Don't swallow it. It'll turn into some sort of terrible autoimmune disease otherwise. Like, okay, I'm, <laughs> I am on your side. Call HR, deal with this. Yeah. What if you, what, what about our industry uh, mm-hmm. where there isn't an HR? What if somebody's working in a world where there is no HR? And I mean, how think- do you... I think there are HRs now in our industry. Like I just got a very, very powerful man fired from a huge network um, mm-hmm. that for legal reasons I can't talk about, but I, I found him to be very, very toxic and abusive and disturbing and, and, you know, reported him. So I, and I, you know, I'm sure I've now like risked my relationship with that company going forward. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it was not an easy process, but I, I I refuse to just tolerate bad behavior because it reminds me of school. It reminds me of all the shit that I ate at school from other people because I thought I was supposed to. But but what are you, are you asking us in like between actors? Well, I'm or just thinking. Colleagues? Oh yeah, all of that. I mean, I've certainly um, spoken up about people and um, and risked my safety, whatever that is, in my career uh, to speak out about people or on topics. Um, but I'm, I'm just, uh, there are people out there that are very powerful, that are very much in control of a lot. And then you, you have people that are scared to speak up or, um, protect themselves. 
Totally. And look, I, and I had the upper hand, not only because now I am fairly powerful and no, not that powerful, but still, I um, also don't care if I lose my job. Uh, I, you know, I feel as though I'm ready for any kind of twist and turn in life. And I don't ever put the importance of my happiness in any single thing outside of myself, be that career, be that a love, be that anything, thinness. Where do you come from? (laughs) Nobody speaks like this. I come from so much trauma, Tig, like such a terrible first 26 years that have mm-hmm. just kind of morphed me into the Terminator where I just keep coming back now. <laughs> I personally just, I am my own fucking HR as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I just love hearing that. I think it's, um, you know, I, I, I feel very similarly. And like I said, I've acted very similarly. And I think that it's good to, for me and others to hear that because, um, it's just, it's tricky when somebody has an upper hand and uh, you feel powerless mis- oh, powerless yeah. and mistreated beyond comprehension. Yeah. And I remember when I did um, my TV show exposing the producer on the TV show for um, sexual assault and harassment, people were telling me, I would never work again. Mm -hmm. And I remember saying, then that is how it goes. Uh, But I know that what I'm doing is true. And so that is where my power comes from, is that I have gotten truth from victims. And that is where I stand and feel powerful moving forward with this. And if my career goes away that easily, then I was never firmly planted here in the first place. That's amazing. That's an amazing sentence. It feels as though more often than not, you do what the fuck you want. And I think that that's really important for people to see. And I, and I, I despair of all of that. And it is predominantly women, but also a lot of men who make us feel weird for doing so because what we're doing isn't actually weird it might feel the other stuff is the weird stuff the other stuff is weird it's insincere it's dishonest it is um there is a dishonesty in tolerating bad behavior because you know it's bad you know it hurts and then you are smiling and kind of you know grinning and bearing it that's a dishonest unintegral thing to do and please understand that that comes from no place of I'm not judging your dishonesty I understand that you may be in a situation where you can't get out or you rely on that job or you have to feed dependents I get that I'm just saying that let's not treat the people who are looking for liberation at all costs as as the odd ones out let's look to them as kind of as reassurance that maybe it'll be okay if I also say no to this like oppressive situation. Do you know what I mean? I do. And I just love you more and more. Um, (laughs) So uh, I I was going to say, I hope that helps, but I feel like that will for sure help anybody and everybody listening. Uh, We are going to come back after the break with more questions. Jamila, this next question is what I call a hey boy. 
it's the messy ones, you know? Yeah. Yeah, boy. Yeah, boy. All right. Trish writes, my boyfriend's a bad kisser. Everything else in the relationship is golden. Do I even bring this up? It's truly not a big deal for me, but I can't help but wonder if there's a solution. First of all, can you imagine after everything you've said that you just, your answer to this is... (laughs) Just, just, just be suck grateful. it up. Be yeah. grateful that you have the love of a man um, in this world. Uh, yeah, no, tell him. I've told people before that that I don't like the way that they kiss, and uh, I think it's really. I important. bet that turns them on. No, well, no, it's like it's, it's honestly like it's a choice, isn't it? Right? It's like you, you might not find me a good kisser. Like we might just like mm-hmm. have different t- kissing techniques. And so I've said before to someone on a first date during the kiss, I was like. I'm sorry, but I didn't enjoy that kiss. And I would like to enjoy the kisses more because I really enjoy you. And this is how I enjoy kissing. If you don't enjoy kissing the same, then we probably shouldn't do this. I'm not going to tell you that you have to kiss like this in your life. But if you want to kiss me, then that's what I'm going to need. And feel free to tell me what you would need. And it it was awkward as (laughs) but then... He rose to the challenge and I was very, very impressed. And then he became a very good kisser almost instantly. So I say, have the conversation, be kind, be respectful of someone's Mm -hmm. pride. Yeah. And just make sure that they know that, you know, it's their choice. Would you, if you would like to keep kissing me, you would just need to meet these requirements. (laughs) And I don't know that I fully believe that Trish thinks it's not a big deal. And so I'm a firm believer in the tip of the iceberg theory. And so if it even just that it if if it even surfaces, yeah, there's a whole triangle behind that tip, you know, and so uh, I think that for you to write in having an issue with this, Trish, I think you do have a problem with it. And so I yeah. do echo what Jamila is saying in that you should say something, but definitely be be gentle about it because um, it's tricky. also maybe open up a conversation about maybe well, they what like. you might, yeah, like what you could maybe do differently or better. Um, yeah. I, I end a lot of these uh, questions with let us know how you're doing, let it give us an update. And, and of course, I mean it, but I really mean it, Trish. Yeah. Let us know how this conversation went, because um, I always refer to these sort of things as a shitmas test, you know, just a, uh-huh. I think it's really important. The good old shitmas test. How's it going to go? All right. Well, keep us updated. And uh, Jamila, do you consider yourself a good roommate? Yes. Excellent. If I dare say oh. so myself. Yeah. I, I am uh, good. Why? Are we, are we moving you... in? Are you inviting me to move in? I, I was yes. going to see if you would like <laughs> to live with me, Stephanie, our four and a half year old twins, my father-in-law who lives with us and uh cat and two new kittens. Yes, please. Thank you. 
Okay. Well, Stephanie will be thrilled because she is a huge fan of yours. Oh, that's very a kind. Huge fan. Very kind. Uh, what yeah, makes no. you a good roommate? I. It pertains to our next question. Okay, I've had very, very, very bad roommates before, and I remember how oppressive and horrific that felt. There is something very specific about living, about having someone in your personal living space who doesn't meet your needs or make you feel safe or like who just isn't considerate. And I think that traumatized me so early on. My first ever roommate used to get like high and move all of my furniture onto the roof of our house and who used to mm. piss piss out of our window that was on a pedestrian street on the second floor of the pedestrian street, you know. So I lived with this maniac who would, you know, smoke crack until 7 a.m. with all of his friends. And I had a job that was on live television early. And so I think I became obsessed with never get being spoken about like that roommate and so I'm very considerate I'm very careful of other people's feelings I love giving space and I like cooking for people and buying you know them what? food I think you should move in I'm gonna talk to <laughs> Stephanie about this I'm very excited um well yeah I'm I'm asking because um Katie asks I live with a 40-something dude, and he laughs like a hyena and sneezes so loud. I feel bad telling him to shut it down because the laugh is obviously joyful, and I don't know if he can control his sneeze volume. I'm considering moving out. Please advise. Well, first of all, Katie, you have written into somebody who (laughs) sneezes louder than probably your roommate, and I have to explain to people... Mm -hmm. If I tried to suppress it, my brains would come out of my ears and every, I, I don't even know what I would do. It's not possible. I cannot suppress my sneeze. I see your bad sneeze and I raise you the fact that I get no warning before my sneeze. Zero. I don't know, what it, I don't know what's wrong with my nervous system. So I sneeze massively and out of, out of nowhere so suddenly that I then scare myself. So I sneeze and then I scream, which is the absolute I, worst. I have like, it's like the Bowser <laughs> level of bad sneezes. Also, how much is Do you scare yourself? Sneezing? Yeah, no, I literally that- startle myself and then scream. So it's that just like... Is- <laughs> That's what it sounds. <laughs> Katie would have no patience for you. And I feel no. like the I feel like you're probably not crazy about this guy on other levels because yeah. to start out by saying I live with a 40 something dude. I've lived I used to live um with four guys in a house when we were all just touring stand-ups and ha- that was our crash pad and in Venice and um I wouldn't call any of them 40 something or 30 something dudes. I I was close to them and I had relationships with each of them. They irritated me as I irritated them in all of our different ways, but um it sounds like yeah. You don't really like this guy maybe. There and were no as, there were no redeeming qualities at all in the in the letter. None. Yeah. And and I think I can, I mean, yeah, if you don't like someone, then their joyful, annoying laugh is not going to be okay. And their sneeze, I mean, there's just, there's no way around it. Whereas if you cared about somebody, you might tease them about their laugh, or you might, um, there might just be more of a, a dialogue around the sneezing or the laughing. Also, like, 
your home is your haven. And so it sounds like you need to get out as soon as possible. I know we've been in lockdown for over a year, but or almost a year. But I would say that it is it is imperative to your mental stability that your ho- your your house and your home is a place of peace, tranquility, and safety. You know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. No one needs to be annoyed in their own house. I'm annoyed enough being out in the world. I need to come home and finally get a rest from being so annoyed all the time. And as much as I loved my four roommate guys in that house, I remember going to do laundry and I reached up to take the ble- the bottle of bleach off of the mm-hmm. the washer and dryer and somebody hadn't put the cap on top of the bleach bottle. Oh, no. And it went all over me and ruined a shirt and jeans Shit. that I loved. And I kid you not, I put the cap on the bleach and I walked right into my bedroom and I started looking for apartments to live by myself. And that was the end of that for me. <laughs> I, I, I was Googling two minutes later, because I just thought, I cannot complain about this. I cannot bring this to anyone's attention. It is time to move out. A hundred percent. Are you a clean person or a messy person? I'm a clean person. I am horrendously um, messy, but I keep all of my mess only to my own space, sort of like a raccoon, you know, just... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, that's I, uh, so interesting that you're a messy secretive. person. Why? Well, I have to say... It's not the secret's kind of out because I can see behind you and it looks a little disorganized on those shelves. Well, this is my boyfriend's studio, to be fair. Oh, also a messy person. And we similarly keep our mess only to our bedroom. So the rest of our house is fairly neat. But our bedroom is just, I mean, we would win some sort of student award for the floor drobe. You know, we're just, but if there's something very comforting about finding someone who not only judges you, but thrives similarly to you in our own like disorganized, childlike chaos. And yeah, I live enough, a clear enough life in my head. I need some chaos and it's in my, my bedroom. Well, that's the thing is you have such razor sharp precision with everything you're thinking and saying. And then it's just hilarious to think that you I'm are a, a pig in mess, shit. But, um, <laughs> yes. So Katie... Yeah, get out. Move out of there. Go start your Google search for your own apartment or find... Right now. Right this second. Yeah, right now. Right now. Um, All right, Jamila, here's our last listener question. Okay. It comes from Charity. Over the last few years, I have had major health problems. I'm 39 and sometimes now need a cane. I have a gigantic scar running vertically down my torso. I'm single and terrified to attempt to date. I am proud of what I've overcome, but do you have any advice about getting over my intense fear of being rejected because of my health or my scars? Well, Charity, if you're at all familiar with me, you might know that I've had some health issues and I have my share of scars and i i completely feel you on this because i remember even before i had scars when i started to learn that i had different illnesses 
I was so scared to share that information because I was scared I would lose work. I was scared, um, frankly, I was scared I was going to die. And then living through everything, I then had fear that I was going to be unattractive with scars. I didn't know I would think, oh, how am I going to share this when somebody sees my body? Um, And, you know, oddly, (laughs) the people that I was attracting found scars cool and sexy, including Stephanie. Scars just represent healing. And mm-hmm. and um, I would slowly start to get yourself out there. If you're asking this question, then you're. It sounds like you're ready to check it out. And um, I just can't imagine somebody's going to go running from you. No, and if they do, they're the wrong person. You know, I've had health problems since I was born. I have a condition called Ehlers Danlos Syndrome. I've also struggled in my life with tumors and cancer. I have scars across my breasts that my, you know, my current boyfriend told me he loves because they mean I'm still alive. And I have uh, condi- this, this condition I have is a, a lack of collagen in my body, which means that it impacts every single cell in my entire body, old and new. And it means that my heart doesn't work properly, my kidneys, my, uh, my skin gets scarred so easily. I'm constantly in pain. I swell to twice my size all the time. I um I am not an easy person to, I'm not a completely easy person to be able to to care for. And, and in a partner, I need someone who's willing to care for me. And I only, I consider it my, my right to only date someone who's willing to take that on with love. And in other ways, I will be able to emotionally support them or maybe care for them. Another thing I want to say is that I think it's it's imperative that people do not enter enter any situation with shame when you are going through something that is harder than most other people you're a fucking hero and go and get the love that you deserve from someone who is worthy of it and and someone who will not look after you or who finds that unattractive is weak shallow and fucking boring i think jamila jamila take i i can't get over you i can't get over you <laughs> Yeah, but you won't let me live with you now because I told you I'm messy. So, no, I will. <laughs> I'm gonna put. I'm gonna extend my house. I'm, you know, we've been talking about putting a guest house over the garage. Perfect. <laughs> and I'll just shove you in there with just a bunch of dirty laundry and you know old spoons yeah. or whatever. I don't know what you enjoy having around I you. Can love an old fork. There are forks. <laughs> buried everywhere in my house it's like a it's like an easter egg hunt it's insane i just i just want to say i'm sure that meant so much to charity to hear but i have to tell you it meant so much for me to hear that from you because i you know i it's we forget we forget the shame yeah. chips away at us. And because not enough of us talk about our health struggles because of the stigma and taboo about it and the fact that we we never see disability as something sexual or sexy or desirable. You know, look at fucking this, the crisis that is Hollywood. Mm. It is erasure. It is a lie that most of us are not walking around with some sort of chronic psoriasis or eczema or stomach problems or this, that and the other, or maybe even a mental health problem. 
you know, we're all suffering and we're not talking about it. And then it makes us feel alone in our struggle. And then it makes us less likely to put ourselves out there. Put yourself out there. You never know who you're going to find. I never thought that a 26-year-old front man, like Grammy-winning musician was ever going to want to take someone on like me who had so many, so many extra caveats of things that, of patience that I would require. I never thought that he who could have all these like, you know, completely able-bodied Victoria's Secret models would want someone like me. But but over time, I, I like very quickly, I was determined to find my confidence that no, I fucking deserve this. And, and my, uh, the person I have built myself into like, is reward enough for, you know, some of the patience that is required in order to, to live with me. Now, have I mentioned how much I love you? Oh, no, you haven't. But I think we should talk about it in, at length. Well, I know you have to leave. You have to get on a flight. But I no, no, I could, I could hear this. No, no, I, I could take this time. The flight. <laughs> well, I just am so genuinely floored by you, and I'm so thankful for your brain and your mouth and your actions. And um, I just can't thank you enough for coming on here and and sharing with me and everyone and. I really have had such a, a unique experience today. I'm just absorbing everything you're saying and and feeling just inspired and powerful from from you. And so thank you. Oh, and it's, thank you very much. And I'll go tell Stephanie to, um, I was going to say clean up the garage, but I guess just leave it as Don't it bother. is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, thank you again. And... Um, do you have anything you'd like to plug before we leave? Uh, my podcast. It's called I Weigh with Jamila Jamil. And, you know, if you can tolerate my bad language, probably don't listen to it with very small kids in the car, although they're secretly saying these things behind your back anyway. Um, I hope that you join me on my ever, like, <laughs> ever-extending learning <laughs> journey. And we can all learn together. So that's it. But other than that, thanks. Wonderful. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Bye. Tig is hosted by me, Tig Notaro. It's produced by Thomas Willette, Mary Knopf, and Tracy Mumford. Our editor is Phyllis Fletcher, executive producer Lauren D, engineering and sound mixing by Eric Romani, digital production by Christina Lopez, talent booking by Marianne Ways, production assistance by Nancy Shu. Our theme music is Friend in Tig by Edie Brickell and Kyle Crusham, and Listen to Your Heart by Edie Burkell. Special thanks to Hunter Seidman, Lily Kim, and Alex Shafford. 
Our executive consultant is Dean Capello and Gobsmack Studios. You can always ask for advice at don'tasktig.org. Just write in with your problem or send us a voice memo. You can also follow us on social media at Don't Ask Tig. Don't Ask Tig is a production of American Public Media. And as always, thanks, Dana. And I'll tell Becky. I'm stand-up comedian and sex symbol Tig Notaro. And I'm actor and writer Cheryl Hines. Before Cheryl and I got into the big business of podcasting together, (laughs) we were just simply friends. And we're still friends. But now we talk about a different documentary every week on our podcast, Tig and Cheryl, True Story. So whether you love documentaries or just want to hear us slowly lose our minds, check out Tig and Cheryl, True Story, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, cool. (laughs) 